you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn with me to the book of Joshua, and we will continue our journey in faith. As uh, we're walking through Joshua, this is our fourth Sunday in this book, and uh, so we'll spend some time in Joshua chapter 3. Talking about the preparation is, is, is over, and entrance into the land is at hand. Let me read these verses for us this morning, and as I read them, I want you to be thinking, preparation is over. Preparation is coming to an end, and action is about to take place. We are on the shore of the promised land. And here is what is recorded in Joshua chapter 3. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan. This is all of Israel with Joshua. They came to the Jordan. He and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. Let me stop and let's go back for just a moment and go back to chapter 1. And in chapter 1, verse 10, it states this, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, Prepare your provisions. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Get get all your stuff, get your tent, and get it all packed up because we are moving. Prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan and go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. So for three days now, they have been preparing. They have been packing up physically their provisions. And so we go back to chapter 3. And at the end of the three days, the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet, there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. So that, excuse me, do not come near it in order that You may know the way that you shall go, for you are not passed, for you have not passed this way before. Verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priest, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and they went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, Today, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. That they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come, hear, and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said... Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you. 
and that he will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, and from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest bearing the ark of the covenant before the people as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped the brink of the water now get this the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away, at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the sea, the salt sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Heavenly Father, we bow before you this morning. Father, we are reminded of great acts that you have done. Of great acts that you have done in the past. Of great acts that you did for your people Israel. Of great acts, Father, that you have done for us. Lord, as preparation is coming to an end. As preparation is coming to an end for these Israelites. God, action is upon them. Lord, would you uh, allow us to see this passage afresh and anew? Father, would you allow us to to understand what you have spoken, what you have stated for each and every one of us, and that it would apply to our heart, to our life today. For every single one of us are on a journey. Just like the children of Israel, we are we're marching. We're walking, we're, we're living day upon day. And God, would you bring focus into my life, focus into our lives that, God, there's a purpose for what you have us doing at this moment. And six months from now, there's a purpose of what we'll be walking through then and so on and so on. Father, you know my heart this morning words that I've already spoken to you just a moment ago. We're not here to hear a sermon. If my sermon's good or bad, it doesn't matter. We're here to hear from you. So God, I pray that you would speak. Father, every single person in this room needs to hear from you. That they need a fresh word. I desperately need a fresh word from you. 
God, this passage is your word. So, Father, I pray that you would speak. God, that upon hearing you speak, upon hearing your word, Father, that I would bow afresh and anew back to you this morning. That we, every single one of us, would hear the King. God, once we hear you, Lord, that our lives would, would emulate what we have heard. That our lives would be that of obedience. For that is what you call us to. So Lord, let us see this event. Let us see final preparations. And let us see the reason why that this is to come about. For your name's sake, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. The preparation for entering the land that Joshua is leading the children of Israel for, for entering this land, the preparation is drawing to a close. And I dare say that there's not one person in here that can fully understand, can, can even come close to understanding the anticipation, can, can understand the expectation that the children of Israel had as they were hearing those words from Joshua. You and I, we were born into a country that most look at, some look at, most look at as the greatest nation in the world. We have been blessed upon blessed upon blessed upon blessed. And in growing up in this nation, we don't have the anticipation like that of this people. I think the... the Closest thing to it would be a family. Multiple generations away, they are saying to themselves, they are saying to their sons and their daughters, one day we will move to a land where there is hope. One day we will find ourselves, you will find yourself being able to grow up, being able to live in such a land where there is this hope. Hope, and one generation has this promise, and another generation comes along, their son, their daughter, and they continue that hope for a move. For Joshua and his generation, he and the children of Israel, they are on the banks of fulfilling that. They're on the banks. They are... are Edging, inching closer and closer to this Jordan, to this promised land. Three days. Three days. Prepare your provisions. Get physically ready. You get everything in your tent. You put it in that Tupperware box. You put it all together and put it on the camel. Put it on the donkey. Put it on your son, your daughter, your husband. Put it on whoever you got and let's get ready to go into the land. And they're standing on the shore. Preparation for entrance is drawing to a close. And the event is about to begin. They heard about all their parents. And they heard about this from their grandparents. They heard about it as they were spending some 40 years in this wilderness as they were eating the same thing every morning, it's called manna. Every evening, it's called manna. 
and they are there. And they're just eating it. And they're believing in this promise that one day we will walk into that promised land. And the next morning they wake up and they eat some more manna and something happens to grandmother. She passes away. And then the next week rolls around and something happens to grandfather. And the next month rolls around and the next year rolls around and something happens to mom, something happens to dad. And as they are in the midst of walking and wandering for some 40 years, the death toll is hitting its beat, its drum, and there are a whole generation. There's a whole generation that falls, but the promise lives. And they're on the banks. They're expecting God to work. They're anticipating God to work. When's the last time you expected God to do something in your life? When's the last time that you anticipated that God would work? Are you expecting Him to do anything? Are you excited? Are you anticipating that He is going to move in any way, shape, form, or fashion in your life in a tangible way? We're His children. He he desires to give you and give me the absolute best. You don't have it because you and I haven't asked. And if we've asked, we've asked, well, Lord, would you please help me here? And then totally forget about it. And we're living a divided life. This past week, it came out that uh, David Platt, he is a pastor in Birmingham or was a pastor in Birmingham, Church of the Brook Hills over there, that he accepted the uh, presidency of the International Mission Board, the IMB. And uh, he'll be leaving the pastorate, and he'll be going to Virginia to head the Southern Baptist uh, entity called the International Mission Board. And uh, he went back. It actually happened a a week ago. He went back last Sunday night, and he preached a uh, final message, so to speak, to remind the church at the Brook Hills about a passage in Acts chapter 13 that they had already spent some time at the first of the year going over. And he entitled the the message, A Blank Check. He he spoke to to his church about this blank check and writing their names on it and giving it to God and saying, Lord, whatever you want to fill in, that's what I'll do. If you were to go back and you were to listen to the first time that he preached it, and you were to listen to what he spoke this past Sunday night, you would know that there was something in him at the time that he first spoke it that has come to fruition this past Sunday night, and it was that of him leaving. Could that be spoken of you? Could that be spoken of you that, Lord, here's a blank check. Here's my life. Whatever you want, I'm yours. Moms and dads that were up here, moms and dads that were sitting out there. Can you say that about your kids? It's a scary, scary thing. I remember uh, a few years ago, I was having a conversation with my dad, and Nathan was uh, 
he was four, Mary Morgan was one, and we were wrestling about what to do, and it was, if we were going to plant this church or not, if we were going to go somewhere else, and I said, you know, if, if God calls us away, it's going to cost you. He's like, it's not going to cost me anything. I said, oh yeah, it is. It's going to cost you a lot because you love to see Nathan and Mary Morgan about every two weeks. So they have to have their Nathan and Mary Morgan fix. And so they're either coming here or the kids are going there because they love them. And I said, if we move off, you will, it'll cost you. Are you willing for that? And he reminded me of a day that I had forgotten. He drew it back to my attention and he said, do you remember that day when you were in college, and you stood before that church, and uh, you accepted the call to ministry. The reason that I was happy that day is because all of your life, all of our lives that we were Christian, I've been praying that God would take you, and he would use you. Are, are you willing, church? Are we expecting God to work? Those that were standing on that Jordan, they were seeing the banks overflowed, but they knew God was greater. Preparation is drawing to a close. Action is coming about. Preparation to enter, not just physically, but preparation to enter spiritually, comes through an act. Chapter 1, verse 10, we spoke of how they were to get their provisions ready. And now in chapter 3, verse number 5, Joshua says this to all the people. And let me say this to you. May Joshua, may the Father say this to you. Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders. They had been told to get all their possessions ready, and they were. The final day in the wilderness wandering, it came with this command. Consecrate yourself. You're like, Brian, what in the world is that word? Consecrate. Well, that's a big theological term that is defined like this. Come wholly back to Him. Consecration is the devoting or the setting apart, setting aside of anything to the worship or service of God. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow God will perform great things among you. Some of you, dare I say, most of us here today, we need that word to ring true in our hearts. We, I, need to consecrate myself. I'm reminded of a passage of scripture where David came back to the Father and he consecrated himself. Psalm 32 verses 1 through 7 is recorded 
where he confesses his sin to God. He starts this way in Psalm 32. The verses will be on the screen, I believe. Blessed is the one. Happy, literally is the uh, translated word. Happy is the one whose transgression is forgiven. So if your sin's forgiven, that that makes you happy, does it not? If you are the one that's bearing that sin, if you are the one that is is having to carry the load of that sin, you are not a happy camper in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And David knew that, and he's going to speak to that. He says, happy is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin has been covered. Blessed is the one, or happy is the man, against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For... And here's how he understands this and he knows this. For when I kept silent, when I didn't open my mouth, when I, when I tried to hide my sin, my bones, they wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand, your hand was heavy upon me. Your spirit was right there. He was heavy upon me and my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. You ever read... Uh, a psalm and you come to that word Selah and you're like what in the world is that I think that it's best translated this way stop and think about that so let's do that let's stop and think about that if we read those verses about who is happy and then what happens when we're covering up our sin our bones are wasting away. Our groaning all the day long, day and night. God's hand is heavy on us. He, His Spirit is convicting you and is convicting me. Think about that. I acknowledge my sin to you. I didn't cover my iniquity. I said I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Think about that. When you try to cover your sin up, and you try to hide it from everybody in your house, you try to hide it from everybody that you know, God's just got a heavy hand on you and He is just pressing you and pressing you so that you would understand he knows it you can try the best secret places that you think that you have the best closets that are in your mind or in your home or in your in your life you you can try to hide it there but God knows exactly where every single thought word attitude action is and what's awesome is when you say all right Lord I acknowledge my sin to you. I'm not going to cover it up. I will confess it. And in our day and in our culture, we think confession is this. I'm sorry for that. Are you really? Are you really sorry that you got caught? If you're just sorry that you got caught, you're in the same boat that you were in five minutes ago before you got caught. But if we confess it, it's literally this, that we say the same thing God says about it. Whatever that sin is, whatever that that picture is that we were watching on the TV screen or on the computer screen, whatever the words that came out of our mouth that should never have come out of our mouth, let alone come into our minds that we're thinking it, 
we say the same thing. God, that was sin. You say it's sin, I say it's sin, and I'm not going there again. You say, does that mean that we're going to live a perfect life? No, you're not going to live a perfect life. Because you have two natures in you, and I have two natures in me. If you are born again of the Spirit, you still have the nature of the flesh, and we'll get there in a second, but those natures war and wage against each other. Proverbs, Solomon states, the righteous man falls how many times? Seven. You know what seven means? It's it's a number of completion. So what does that mean? It means that a righteous man was totally mature, totally complete in his failing. There was not one place that he didn't stick his foot in and there was a pitfall that he didn't fall down. That should bring some hope for every single one of us. But that man, that righteous man that fell down seven times, he didn't stay there. Some of you are going through some struggles today in your life. Your family is about to just cause you to need a uh, padded room with no corners. And we laugh, and, and that's true, but you don't have the answer. And it's okay. You're on your last, what you think, is your last straw. And God says, why don't you come to me? Why don't you come to me? Why don't you come back? And I will take what is a mess of your life and I'll use it. We saw last week Rahab, a prostitute, a liar, uh, a schemer. And what happened? She gave her life to Christ. She gave her life to the Lord. She understood that he was the one who was going to deliver her and her family. And he took her mess And she is the great, 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 however many greats you want to put in there until it's proper grandmother of our Messiah. That's what God does. He takes your mess and he takes my mess and he says, don't cover it up, just let me take care of it. If you just come back to me, if you consecrate yourself, if you come and you devote yourself to me and the ministry that I have for you, I will use you. I don't know how many times I've stated this, but for two and a half years, I ran from God. I wanted so bad, me personally, for wrong reason after wrong reason after wrong reason. But I wanted to be an ophthalmologist. I wanted to cut on somebody's eyes every single day. My great-grandfather, my grandfather, and my father were all optometrists. I went to high school. I went to college to go into pre-med to be an ophthalmologist because... I liked money. That's what it boiled down to. And I knew that that guy, who I knew, who was going to retire and came up to me and said, Hey, Brian, I'm probably going to retire about the time you would get out of med school. I'll let you just buy the practice. World-renowned in Oxford, Mississippi. Great friend of the family. And all I could see was cha-ching. And for three years, I ran from God. And I would throw things up in God's face and say, I can't be used because, and you fill in the blank, and it was thrown up into his face. And he's, all along, he'd say, Brian, if you would just come back, all this mess that you are making, I can use it. And he says the same thing 
to you, and he says the same thing to me again today. David was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He was a liar. He was a conspirer. He was a thief. But he was a son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And his father opened his arms just like he will open his arms to you. If you would come back. Israel is preparing to walk across dry land over a flooded Jordan River. They had to prepare physically to get all their things, but they had to prepare even more spiritually. What does that mean today? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to me today? I believe Jesus stated it this way best. In Luke 9, 23 through 26, he says, If anyone, if anyone would come after me, if anybody would follow me, if anybody would desire to come back to me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever of you or me who would save his life, if you're trying to do that, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, whoever gives his life over, writes that blank check, whoever says, I am yours, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it. He will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world these 50, 60, 70, 80 years, yet he forfeits himself for all eternity? Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes into his glory and the glory of the Father of his whole, and his holy angels. Paul wrote it this way in Ephesians chapter 4. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Could that describe you today? Do you have a hard heart? They have become callous. They have given themselves up to sensuality. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That's not the way that you learned Christ. You've heard about Him. You were taught in Him. As the truth is in Jesus. Put off your old self. Sir. Ma'am which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and in holiness. Some of us are here today and we're carrying around some stuff and we're trying to hide some stuff and, and it's just weighting you down. Why don't you give it to him? Really, what's it profiting you right now to carry that burden? To keep going with it. What's it profiting you? Some of us have sin in our lives. And because of that sin, there is no fellowship with the Father. There's no fellowship with the Father. There's no direction for today. And you're just like, I don't even know why I'm here. Why don't you come back to him? Heavenly Father, we bow before you.
You are our Lord. You are our God. And God, I ask that as we focus in on a time of invitation, a time of response, Father, that you would you would draw us back to yourself. Father, you told us to uh, physically prepare the provisions that are there. Father, you told us to consecrate ourselves. And Father, that's the marching order, so to speak, of a whole nation. That's the marching order to me today. It's the marching order, I believe, for every single one of us, that we would come back to you. God, that's our desire. You're our Father. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we are here to praise you. But Father, I pray that it's not just lip service this morning. God, the invitation is for every single one of us. The altar is open for every single one of us. Your ears are attentive to the heart and to the words of your people. God, that we would hear from you this morning afresh and anew and that we would obey. Father, it's not just a somber time. It is an excited time. It's not just a a, a lowly time. Yes, that needs to happen. But Father, it is a grateful time because you are the one the only one who can take those sins away, can take that guilt away, can put our feet on solid ground afresh and anew. And so, Lord, we come. We come expecting, we come in anticipation that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, that you will accept us. So, God, I pray that you would move. Sir, the altar is open for you today. You come. Ma'am, the altar is open. It doesn't matter, sir, ma'am. It doesn't matter what anybody else is thinking, what they're saying. You come. If you'd like for me to pray with you, I'll be more than happy to pray with you. But more than anything, let's come back to him, our king. As we stand.